And welcome to our little game of hearing that we call Audio Antics. Morning in Paris, the city awakes to the bells of Notre Dame. You are not the first to pass this way, nor shall you be the last. W your information station. Welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. This is show number 50 for the week of January 20th, 2008. I'm your host, Lou Mangello, and I want to thank you for tuning in once again. With not a lot of Walt Disney World news to report on this week, we're going to jump right on in with a visit to the Walt Disney World Rumor Mill, where we'll talk about what's going on and up over at Disney's Contemporary Resort, more updates on the rumor of handheld devices in the parks, possible changes going on throughout the resort property-wide, and more. After that, it's all about the recent Walt Disney World Half Marathon, as I invite Mike Scopa and Brian Ripper to join me in a roundtable recap of the weekend's events. It's a fun look back at an exciting weekend for both runners and spectators alike, and offer some great tips for people who may be considering running next year. Afterwards, Eric Hollister joins me as we not only announce the winner of the 13th and final Mile Marker Challenge, but the grand prize and winner as well. We'll also look back at what was a fun contest that gave back to the community and touched the lives of many people in a number of different ways. We'll have time to play a few of your voicemails and we'll answer many more of your emails, I promise, next week. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. This week's visit to the Walt Disney World Rumor Mill is going to start off with an update on a prior, semi-confirmed rumor about what's going on up next to Disney's Contemporary Resort Tower. The $110 million, 15-story tower is one step closer to being officially confirmed by Disney as being the next DVC property. Currently standing at just over five stories tall, recent permits seem to corroborate rumors that I've heard, as well as other evidence reported here in the past. For example... Recently filed permits make reference to a fictitiously named corporation that is owned by the parent company of the Disney Vacation Club's timeshare arm, as well as a, quote, proposed Disney Vacation Club DVC resort at the Contemporary Hotel. Also, recent SEC filings evidence the fact that Disney has about 680 rooms under construction at Walt Disney World. Now, if you take into account the rooms already built, and under construction over at Disney's Animal Kingdom, it would make sense that the suites at the Contemporary Resort building would make up the difference. But it is believed that until Disney sells more of the Animal Kingdom villas as well as Saratoga Springs Resort and Spa properties, they're probably going to hold off on making any formal announcements. The new resort is expected to be incredibly upscale and will likely sell out quickly, as it's going to include a pool, a spa, an outdoor bar with a water slide, tennis courts, a barbecue pavilion, and a 500-person lounge on the 15th floor featuring a restaurant and bar. 
The new building is expected to be completed in late 2009, possibly as early as September, but I would expect the formal announcement from, from Disney probably coming in the next couple of months. Over in downtown Disney, work continues in the transformation of Pleasure Island, as it appears as though another venue is going to be closing as part of the dramatic change taking place. According to sources, the Rock and Roll Beach Club is going to close as of February 3rd, 2008, while Disney looks for other uses and occupants for the venue. With the recent removal of many parts of Pleasure Island, such as the middle and west end stages and the addition of restaurants like Raglan Road, the upcoming T-Rex dining experience, places like the Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique, stores such as Curl by Sammy Duval and the Rawlings Merchandise Shop, the landscape really is going through some major changes, which I think are going to really enhance the guest experiences, both for adults and kids alike. I spoke some time ago about the rumored use of handheld electronic devices in the parks and Disney's internal testing of these types of devices. Well, it looks like that initiative may be moving forward as guests have been surveyed about the use of handheld Nintendo DS systems as an interactive guide map to the parks. Listeners like Matthew Parrish emailed me over the past couple of weeks about how they were given a survey at the entrance to the Magic Kingdom last week when he was asked if he would be interested in carrying a DS with park information, uh, parade info, restaurant menus, etc. And after he gave his answers, which were a resounding yes, he asked why Disney would allow guests to carry these devices, and he said that the cast members insinuated that the new gadgets could possibly be used to replace or, or enhance park maps. He also went on to say that the women who were conducting the surveys were targeting random people, and they were very excited when he said that he loved the idea of using these as maps, noting, of course, that he's under 30 and a gadget freak because the people who were doing the surveys liked what they saw as well. Now, if you remember, we spoke last summer about how Disney was allowing guests that already owned their own Nintendo DS device hardware to bring them into the parks to access content from Pirates of the Caribbean over at the Magic Kingdom. And while I didn't think that the use of the devices to play games like that were really best for the guest experience, access to valuable park-related information such as menus or wait times, etc., would be something that's definitely beneficial to guests and likely won't suffer the same drawbacks as having kids staring at the gadgets, playing games instead of interacting with other members or family. Instead, this or other devices, like a cell phone, for example, can also be used for information portals and can be shared and enjoyed by the entire family. So I'm very curious to see how this this initiative is going to move forward, what other, if any, types of devices uh, may be used and what exactly they're going to be used for in the parks. Now, outside the parks, uh, but of interest to those of us who maybe kind of get our Disney fix by visiting the local mall and browsing the Disney store, there is a rumor that I wanted to mention, and that is that Disney may be looking into buying back the chain of stores that was sold to the Children's Place. Reports that the Children's Place company have not met uh, remodeling deadlines and really isn't getting the return on investment uh, that they had expected is starting to lead to speculation that Disney may seek to purchase the stores back. Obviously, time will tell uh, on this one as well. Shane from Snellville, Georgia, wrote to me and said, Hey, Lou, I was checking my Disney news updates on Yahoo.com, and I saw a short story about uh, Disney's MGM Studios changing its name to Disney's Hollywood Studios. Of course, this is old news to me, but at the end of the article it said, Some new attractions will open at the theme parks in 2008, including a cutting-edge interactive attraction, 
a live action stage show, and a parade. Of course, the first is Toy Story Mania and the last is Block Party Bash, but what's the new stage show? Jedi Training Academy already opened, so could this be a new rumor for something yet to come? Uh, Shane, I, I'm addressing this here because uh, a number of other people asked me about rumors of a new stage show because we were talking about things like uh, construction going on at the Backlot Theater. There is a crane that is there right now. That's only being used to replace the roof, but I have been told that there are no plans in the works uh, for the use of this theater other than for special events and maybe a few special shows throughout the year following this major renovation. Now, the show that they're probably talking about is the new Playhouse Disney live on stage show. That's probably what's being made reference to, unless there is that rumored new show that may be coming to the ABC Theater. Chris sent me a rumor about Splash Mountain, and he reports that Splash is currently undergoing a refurb, but when it reemerges, a new benefit may be in place for guests. He tells me that the Imagineering Simulation team is able to model and calculate the throughput of guests on attractions. But the latest attraction to benefit from this is going to be Splash Mountain. And when it reopens in February, the hourly ride capacity is going to increase with the addition of some more boats. Some of the simulation teams are a little nervous and hope that their simulations are correct. But he says that the bonus for the guests is that there will be uh, shorter lines on Splash Mountain, although there may be some bumps along the way as the the new capacities are worked out. It may seem uh, invisible to guests, likely if this happens when it does reopen in February, but guests might want to plan ahead for some possible delays when it reopens if things don't go exactly as planned uh, with the throughput and the new boats. Quickly over at Epcot, the rumored uh, Velcro and waste management exhibits are undergoing construction with expected opening times probably within the next few months. We don't have an official word from Disney as yet, but as soon as I get that, I'll definitely let you know. Over in the Magic Kingdom, it's being rumored that Disneyland Parade of Dreams is going to replace the Disney Dreams Come True Parade over at the Magic Kingdom in late 2008 or early 2009. Now, this is actually not very unusual, as it has happened in the past, and parades such as the Main Street Electrical Parade have been moved to and from Disneyland and Walt Disney World in the past. Geeks like me are getting their Jedi or in my case, Jawa, robes ready as Star Wars Weekends is coming back to Disney's Hollywood Studios this year. Dates have tentatively been announced internally as being on Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays from June 6th through June 29th, 2008. As you know, during these very special events, you can come face-to-face with your favorite heroes and villains and celebrities. You can test your knowledge of trivia, take flight in Star Tours. You can also, like I said, Meet a lot of your celebrities. There's a lot of exclusive merchandise and a whole lot more. As soon as these dates are, are uh, definitely announced, we'll definitely cover it some more on the show. Finally, the biggest complaint from guests to Disney, believe it or not, ha- is about the signage around property, specifically with difficulty in guests being able to find their resorts when they get on property. Years ago, the signage was changed not only to the current red, purple, and black style, But a decision was made to not put every resort on every single sign, but instead create areas or zones for each hotel. So now there's an Epcot resort area, Magic Kingdom resort area, etc. Unfortunately, not every guest knows in what zone his or her hotel might be. So, for example, if somebody's staying at Caribbean Beach Resort, they may not know if that's an Epcot resort, a downtown Disney resort, etc. So with timing being everything, it's rumored that the signs may change in the very near future, not only to reflect just the Disney Hollywood Studios name change, but they may do something with the actual 
wordage and locations on the signage itself. So it's unclear what, if any, changes might be made, but concerns about guests being lost or taking longer routes than necessary may be addressed. So that, like I said, is going to do it for this week's visit to the Walt Disney World Rumor Mill. If you have a rumor that you want to share, something that you hear, you can email me at lou at wdwradio.com. You can also call into the voicemail at 206 202 for WDW, or you can discuss any of these rumors over at the WDW Radio Show forums at DisneyWorldTrivia.com. Walt Disney World for more than 35 years, I've encountered and experienced a great many things. And in the past few years, my passion and involvement in Disney has grown exponentially. I've really been able to see some amazing sights that have created some lasting memories. But nothing I could have seen or discussions I've had with other people could have prepared me for what I saw in the cool wee hours of the morning last Saturday, January 12th, 2008. Because that's when more than 16,500 athletes from all around the world, in all shapes and sizes and costumes, (laughs) gathered in a once desolate parking lot to run for more than 13.1 miles. And I'm, of course, talking about my experience at the 15th annual Walt Disney World Half Marathon event, an event which I clearly not only survived, but enjoyed more than I ever could have imagined. And a big part of why I ran and how I was able to finish our thanks to my two guests who are going to join me on a sort of half-marathon recap roundtable. And there are Mike Scopa from WDWYesterday.com and Brian the Flash Ripper from the All About the Mouse podcast. Gentlemen, welcome. Well, Lou, um, first I'd like to say publicly congratulations to both you and Brian for uh, your first attempt at a half-marathon and a successful first attempt. And I'm very proud of you guys, and I was uh, I was honored to be a part of uh, what you guys experienced. Yeah, and I'd like to say you know congratulations to both of you guys as well. And really just you know, from my end, kind of clarify, uh, Lou, you actually inspired me to do this. And uh, from what I hear, Mike uh, interned with Lou. And uh, it, was, it was a great experience. And so thank both of you guys for uh, really inspiring me to get out there and uh, prove to myself something that I really didn't know whether or not I could do. Well, you know, I'll say this now as well then, because, uh, you know, as I sit here with my medal on, as I've been sleeping with it every night since the marathon. (laughs) It really is thanks to both you guys, because from Mike, who described the experience so perfectly as being surreal, and to both of your guys' emails and and support and all the training updates that you sent me for so many months, uh, I really do owe both you guys a huge thanks for making this such an amazing experience. And, and, you know, again, I, I, I crossed that finish line because of you guys. It's uh, certainly surreal. It's uh, very hard to uh, to define what surrealism is, but I guess uh, if you uh, 
looked it up in the dictionary, you'd just see uh, Walt Disney World Half Marathon. Yeah, and you know the, the the pictures and the videos and everything else that you'll see online really do not do this justice because you've got to really right. be there to experience it. That is so true, Lou. I mean, I mean, uh, and it's not just a one day experience. Um, it's it's several it's months of training. It's uh, days leading up to the trip. It's arriving there and thinking about what you have to do. Twenty four, thirty six, forty eight hours before the race, and then the day of the race, and then. Afterwards, too, it's it's not just a one day experience. It's 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 quite a, a year long commitment, right? And, and that's why I thought this was a good idea because I think too we also make up a, a pretty good diverse representative demographic because Brian is the is the spry young athletic runner, Mike. You you are the experienced marathoner, and, and I'm really you know I'm the everyman because I'm not an athlete and I'm certainly not a runner. And I admittedly did not train as much as I would have liked to, um, but I finished, and I am proof that anybody can do this race. And like you said, Mike, it's a weekend-long experience. And what I'd like to do is talk about what you said. Let's talk about the entire experience from when we got to Disney World to preparing for the night before and getting to the starting line and and really the whole experience, uh, because I think it's important for people to understand everything that goes into it once you get there. Yeah, I think I think you're right, Lou. I think that uh, it, it starts obviously when when you get off the plane and you um, head for your resort and uh, you start getting into your mind as to as to what is going to happen over the next several days, and you start to formulate in your mind what you'll be doing as far as park touring, as far as eating and hydrating and watching, you know, how much you walk and how well you sleep and what time you go to sleep. A lot of that goes through your mind as you're driving from MCO to Walt Disney World. At least it has happened to me every single time that I've gone down there. As much as I think about it before I go down, it really begins to solidify as I get closer and closer to Walt Disney World. Absolutely. Once you get there, the realization hits that, hey, not only is this, you know, not only am I going to Walt Disney World, but this is it. This is what I've been, you know, leading up to. This is what I've been training for. Uh, when did you guys get there? I got in on Wednesday. Um, I went down with my family and I wanted to get a couple days in, just kind of get acclimated and, and relaxed a little bit. What about both of you? Brian, why don't you go first? Well, I actually got in on uh, fr- <laughs> I actually got in on Friday afternoon, and uh, an interesting story about that that I'll, I'll keep pretty short. Uh, the original plan, just because I kind of dropped the ball on some plans with with work and my personal life, actually had me uh, getting off work at about four thirty in the afternoon. And uh, after making a two to three hour drive down to Orlando, I decided, you know, that's probably not a good idea. By the time I get checked into, well, by the time I pick up my race packet. Uh, and get something to eat and get checked into the hotel, I'm probably looking at 10 or 11 o'clock at night for getting to sleep. So I, I said, yeah, it's probably not a good idea. And uh, from uh, what uh, Mike had told me earlier, is, yeah, definitely knew it wasn't a good idea. So I finagled some things around and was able to go into work a little bit earlier. So we actually made it down to Orlando, I'd say probably about uh, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And uh, it's a good thing because when we headed over to the wide world of sports to pick up, a, a, you know, my bib and race packet and everything, uh, there was a lot of traffic there. And uh, so it's a really good idea. I made that change. Um, I, uh, I arrived. Uh, this was one of the this was the first time I ever flew into uh, MCO uh, late afternoon, early evening. I actually arrived 
Wednesday night about 8 o'clock, and um, I wanted to uh, get there a little bit earlier this year. I wanted to get settled in early. I wanted to get into a, a routine where I was going to bed early and getting up early. So I arrived Wednesday night and uh, settled into uh, my room at Pop Century and uh, just had a, a light meal and went right to bed about, I think it was around 9, 30, 10 o'clock, I went to sleep. Yeah, we met for breakfast the uh, the next morning over at the Beach Club, and it was great because that was really my chance to get in some of my last minute, you know, pre race questions for you. And, and we also we sort of kind of came up with a game plan of how to go about right. the next couple of days. And the first decision we made, which I think was a great one, was when exactly to go pick up our race packet because that's an experience in and of itself. Heading over to Wide World of Sports and seeing you, you talk about surreal thousands and thousands of people. I mean, you don't realize how many people are running in the three races that weekend, the five K on Friday, the half on Saturday, and the full on Sunday. What did you guys think, especially you, Brian, you know, for the first time like me, when you walked into Wide World of Sports and saw the expo and the lines and everything else? You know that was really neat. I mean, for for a Walt Disney World nut like me, it's, it might be a little bit surprising. That's actually the first time I'd actually ever visited the Wide World of Sports, so I was really kind of looking forward to it like that. I'm like, wow, I'm going to get to see what the Wide World of Sports looks like. Uh, but you're right; it, it was really surreal. I mean, when we you know walked up to uh, you know the milk house and you know saw the line, we said, "Well, where's the line to pick up the race packets?" And I uh, said, "Well, this is it right here." And you know, it was just like any other theme park, <laughs> any other theme park line. You know, it's one of those things where you know we kind of waited and waited, and then finally, you think you're up to the front, you turn a corner, and you're like, "Oh, does this line ever end?" But uh, so that that's just kind of goes, you know, goes to show for anybody who's, you know, maybe plan on doing this next year. It's definitely a good idea. Make sure that you're not pressed for time. And luckily for us, we weren't, you know, we, we got there early enough to where I wasn't too concerned. So we kind of just enjoyed ourselves and really got a chance to kind of, you know, take everything in and kind of look around and uh, just enjoy, you know, being at the wider world of sports. This was the uh, first year, Lou and Brian, in which I did not pick up my race packet on Thursday. I picked it up on Friday. Lou, you, Deanna, and I picked it up on Friday. And there was a big difference. Uh, the last several years while going to pick up my packet, the line was – I remember getting into line and I had to be about 50 yards outside the milk house and to get in. So uh, this year, uh, what we decided to do, Lou, is we went on Friday – hoping that by going on Friday, we would uh, then miss those running the 5K who would be going Thursday to pick up their packet because the 5K race was on Friday. So I think in that regard, we we made a a good decision. I think that down the road, though, I think what I'm going to do for the next time, if there is another time, (laughs) is that I uh, I think I will pick my race packet up first thing in the morning on Friday Mm -hmm. because it seems when we went there it was just absolutely packed on on Friday afternoon and um, I'm beginning to think that the early bird just as it works when touring the theme parks it works when picking up your race packet and one more thing I wanted to mention Lou remember we were standing in line and we were looking around and I remember you made a comment saying gee I I want to see someone who will inspire me someone who (laughs) looks like they should not be here yet they're going to have and we did spot a few people and uh, that kind of that kind of got your confidence going Um, I remember I remember one particular person we were looking at (laughs) well because you know you see some of these hardcore athletes that you know have zero percent body fat and you can tell that they've been training 
for eons and I'm like, oh my God, how am I, you know, what am I doing here with the rest of these people? But you definitely see that there's a lot of people who were there just for the fun of it and were not there because they think they're, they're superstar athletes or were trying to set a world record. But the other thing that I didn't realize too, and I think it's important to note, especially for first-time runners like myself and my wife who ran with, with me, is that there's a full-blown expo and merchandise um, show really on the first floor after you get your packet. And you, Mike, you made some great tips that I think really, really helped me out. And there was two pieces of equipment that I picked up while I was there. One was a good pair of Adidas running shorts, and the other was the socks. I had no issues running or with my feet or anything because of the stuff that you told me to get. How? Uh, what was? I mean, I know that you had mentioned that you needed a pair of shorts, and I think that what I had said to you was, if you can find a pair of shorts that is almost identical to what you had been training in so that you've got a you know you've got a comfort level there and as far as the socks go the same thing or or make sure that you 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 had something other than cotton socks i think that was the two points i think i made yeah they were like these nylon-y running sock things i don't know what they were but we bought them and they worked great because i had no (laughs) blisters and i had no you know I, i wasn't uncomfortable running and um and it was very different than some of my earlier experience. So, but that's good. that night, you know, this is when the adrenaline's really going, and this is when I start kind of getting myself mentally and physically prepared because I say, okay, I, I need to get to bed early. I need to eat early. I need to not tour too much because I do want to try and rest my legs. And of course, I had my kids with me and my parents with me, so it was a little bit different. Um, but we tried to take it early. Tried to take it easy. What did you guys do? the night before? What did you do the day and the night before to get ready to, to go to bed and wake up in some ungodly hour in the middle of the night? After you, Brian. Well, I, what I did actually the night before was I got about an hour of sleep uh, Thursday night going into Friday. And uh, not intentionally, it just kind of worked out that way. So uh, I figured, I said, well, that'll work out good because I'll be nice and really tired probably about 7 or 8 o'clock. And uh, then for dinner, I, I really had to, to fight the urge uh, to go to the parks. You know, I kept thinking, well, you know, where do I want to eat? Do I want to maybe eat somewhere in World Showcase? Uh, do I, you know, maybe want to go to, uh, you know, eat somewhere in, you know, Hollywood Studios? And you know, I kept telling myself, no, nope, you don't want to do that because you're going to get there. You're going to want to start riding rides and doing attractions and walking all over the park. So, uh, you know, the main solution for me is uh, we were actually staying at Scopa Towers. And uh, the solution for me, I didn't want to eat in the food court either. So a nice compromise is we went over to uh, the boardwalk and uh, ate dinner at the uh, Big River Grill, which uh, we had no trouble getting in uh, just as walk up. So that was nice. Let's see. What did I do? I'm actually, this is a shameless plug for my blog because I'm checking to see what I had written. (laughs) Um, And the lovely Marion and the lovely Nicholas Mongello are on my blog on uh, all his uh, net. But uh, I I remember that um, Friday, I I was very concerned about Friday. Uh, Thursday night, I took it easy and I got up real early Friday morning because I had some friends who were running the 5K and I figured if I get up real early on Friday morning, then I'll get real tired soon early in the evening and I won't have any problems sleeping. So uh, after I um, after I saw them at uh, at the Animal Kingdom, I went I went back to the resort to do some things and then I took uh, a solo trip to the studios and I just 
had a very leisurely day. And the reason why I went to the studios is that it is the smallest of the theme parks. I would not have to walk very far to go from bench to bench and relax and sit down. There were a lot of there's a lot of shade. There were some shows I could do, and I just took my time very very leisurely that day. And then the afternoon, we went to get the um, the race pack, and then that evening I had dinner with some friends at Ohana's, and uh, that was, I believe, at 5 o'clock, and then at around 7, I bid everyone good luck tomorrow, and I went right back to the room. What I did is I put the, uh, I laid out, I, I brought four pairs of shorts, because I wasn't <laughs> sure which pair I wanted to wear. I mean, so, and I was trying them all, okay, this one, no, no, no. Uh, this one was right, so I can, okay, that's my shorts. And then I had to figure out where, what shirts I was going to wear. Then I was worried about the, the weather, and uh, the weather turned out to be uh, nice enough so that I could wear a certain shirt, and I put my number on there, picked out my socks, and laid everything out, and I was ready. And I think I went to sleep about 9 o'clock. See, Mike, I'm actually really surprised that you could you could get to sleep because the problem I found, you know, by the time I tried to do that, and I, you know, I got in bed probably about eight thirty, and then you know I was dead tired, and as, for some reason, as soon as I got in the bed and you know closed my eyes, I was wide awake. I, I couldn't sleep. I kept thinking about the race. I kept thinking about you know, I was it was that really not that kind of nervous anticipation, but it was excitement. I was really excited. I was a little worried about you know what, you know what if I oversleep or what if I forgot something that's gonna you know have me running late in the morning. But I was wide awake. I probably tossed and turned till about midnight. I think that happens with everybody. I, I did fall asleep, and I think I woke up ninety minutes later. And then from that point on, it was catnip, sit, uh, catnip, catnap city. Um, I, I did. Yeah, I did set. That'll put me to sleep. Yeah. I, what I had done also, Brian, is that I had set my uh, cell phone to go off at two a.m. I had set the clock radio in the room to go off at 2 a.m. And I also had arranged for a wake-up call at 2 a.m. So I was pretty sure that one of those was going to work for me. So I didn't have that that fear. But I just kept on catnapping, catnapping. And then someone had sent me a text message and I had uh, gotten up because my phone was going beep, beep, beep. And I figured I'd never get any sleep. So about 12.30, I got up. I replied to the text. And then I went back. As soon as my head hit the pillow, I heard bing bong, you know. Someone, the person who I replied to had replied to that. So I, I said to myself, well, this is ridiculous. So I, I had been up since maybe, I think it was one thirty. I decided, ah, I'm up. So I, I got up at one thirty that morning. It was just, wow. uh, it's just crazy. And, it, and that's, it, it's funny because every single time I, I go down and do this thing, that night, the night before is so, it's the toughest night to fall asleep. I mean, it's it's tougher than when I was a little boy and trying to go to sleep Christmas Eve. You know, you just can't because you you dying to wake up and open up the present, which is the Walt Disney World Half Marathon. Yeah, Friday night for me was a big concern uh, because I, I knew that I wanted to get back to my room by 8 o'clock. And I thought very carefully about how I'm going to tour the parks and what I'm going to eat. I didn't want to eat anything that was going to be too heavy and could possibly affect me the next morning if you catch my drift. So I wanted to eat right. just very plain staple foods. I wasn't saying, okay, I have to carb load, but I did eat pastas and I did eat potatoes. And, and we gave my kids to my parents who kept them in their hotel room. We got back to our room. Uh, we prepared everything out. We laid it all out. We pinned our bibs to our shirts. We got everything ready to go. And my concern was because I normally am working on like the show till two o'clock in the morning, how was I going to fall asleep and wake up at that time? And like you said, that adrenaline and anticipation and the fear of the alarm not going off, 
every half hour by the time I fell asleep at 10.30 or so had me up. Uh, we woke up at 2 and... You know, I took a shower. I wanted to be, you know, as as fresh and, and ready as I could be. And we drove over to Epcot because I just didn't know what to expect. I said, I'd rather get here early than run the risk of being late, even if I have to sit in my car. And we were like the 20th car in the parking lot. But very quickly thereafter, people like you, Mike, started showing up. Um, what was it like yeah, for it was- you guys? Yeah, when, when you start showing up in Epcot. And, you know, it's it's almost like... When you're, if you've ever driven to Las Vegas at night, there's this, you know, it's just desolate and it's dark, and then there's this giant beacon of light, and and that's what it was like with all the lights over there in the Epcot parking lot when you pulled in. Yeah, when when I woke up, Lou, I mean, in spite of not really getting much sleep, I was wide awake. I mean, really, I, but after I got in the shower and and got dressed and everything, I I could have gone right then, and. Uh, so I actually uh, decided to take the uh, resort transportation over to the park just because I didn't know what to expect as far as traffic. And, and so I said, well, you know, they're, they're supposed to get you there on time, so I'm going to trust resort transportation and had no issues. And, uh, you know, one of the things I was worried about, I said, well, you know, this is going to be a big bummer kind of waiting, you know, waiting around in, in Epcot for you know, three hours for, for the race to begin. And I uh, said, I hope I run into somebody that I know so I can talk to. Him. And I said, yeah, what are the chances? You know, 18,000 people, you know, <laughs> here for the half marathon. What are the chances? And uh, I, I hadn't been there, what, two minutes maybe. I was you know, walking from the bus and I spot, uh, you know, an, an older gentleman and a really short gentleman. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, wow, I think that's Lou and Scopa. And uh, sure enough, it was. And I, I got short. <laughs> <laughs> so and I got to say that that was really nice kind of having that time to to kind of kill the time and uh, that really worked out really well just kind of standing around and it was a, a you know good chance also to kind of talk to Mike and to kind of uh, get a little bit of better idea of you know what I was in store for because you know at, at that point uh, the moment is there basically you know you're there's no turning back from there so uh, so it was good though I, I really enjoyed that. But wasn't it that tough? That was the earliest like, I had ever gotten there. Yeah, but weren't you? I'm sorry, like, Luke, I'm sorry. Weren't you guys like really just you know once you're there you're like all right let's just, I want you, I just want to run I just want to start running because oh, yeah. your, your adrenaline oh, is yeah. just so high and that waiting you know for for three hours was really tough. Yeah, I was I was afraid that I was you know really just going to be physically just drained just from the sleep deprivation and stuff. I said you know, by the, by the time six o'clock gets here I'm going to be ready to go back to bed. I was going to say then there's that you know when it it. The time finally starts getting there, and, and it's it's really is go time. And you know, you pass the the twenty thousand porta potties that are out there. You know, you've got that that mile or so walk before you actually have to start lining up in your corral. So it's it's hurry up and wait almost. Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 just amazing. Uh, as soon as I step out of my room, I want to run. As soon as I that door closes, it's like okay, let's go, let's run. Uh, this was the earliest I had ever gotten to Epcot. Usually. I've I don't leave my room till three. I was actually there at three. I think I was like six six cars down from Yulu. And uh, then when Brian came, that was that was really great because we all got to talk. And I knew that I knew that it was going to be a drag waiting for three hours because it always is. But that particular morning, everything went really fast because we were all excited. Uh, it was giving me a chance to try to, you know try to give you guys as much information as I thought would be needed. It gave you guys a chance to ask last-minute questions, uh, got a chance to, because we were talking so much, any nervousness that you might have had just was flushed out of you. Um, 
I I remember we were all looking at the sky, wondering if it was going to rain. You know, we had gear in case it was going to rain, um, and we the time went by really fast. Yeah, that's true. Um, and I guess having people to talk to and keep you occupied. We ran into a lot of other people, listeners to your guys' shows, listeners to my shows. So it was a very social, um, fun, a very energetic environment. But, uh, you know, you talked about the weather and you talked about a couple of things. And one thing I wanted to mention that was a concern of mine and might be a thought for people for next year is, what do you bring? You know, what do you take with you? What can you leave? What do you do? Because we bought clothes, like you suggested, Mike, to potentially throw away if the weather was cold, but the weather cooperated. And you're given a clear plastic bag that you can seal up and check. But did you guys keep anything, like, on your person? to take? Like, we, I had to keep my inhaler, my wife's inhaler, um, in my shorts. Was there anything you actually brought with you on the course? Uh, nope. No, I, I, if I could run naked, I'd run naked, but I just don't <laughs> hey run now. naked. So hey. <laughs> I, I, just, I, I, I can remember my very first Disney race. I ran with uh, my keys to the car in the little pocket, and I just was very uncomfortable. So from that point on, I, I check everything. There's nothing, there's nothing I bring. I just, uh, I just, I don't want to run. You know, the only object that I bring is my, you know, other than my clothes is is my running watch. That's it. Right. Yeah, Mike, I'm I'm like you. I don't like to run naked or anything. I'm I'm a little shy when it comes to that kind of thing. But <laughs> but uh, I, I'm I'm like you. I didn't want to. I wanted to have as as little uh, amount of stuff on me as possible. So I, I kind of I was a little unprepared. I mean, I would have really really been in a bad mood if we, I would have been standing out there and you know pouring down rain for three hours waiting for the race to begin. Uh, but you know, I just kind of you had had a little bit of faith and a little bit of hope, and like just hope everything's you know will be okay because it, I didn't want to have to bring a change of clothes. Uh, my my knee was bothering me uh, about a couple weeks leading up to the race, so really about the only thing that I brought with me uh, was a knee brace and which I was going to wear, and I decided at the last minute, uh, thanks to your advice, Mike, to you know not do that because I hadn't actually run with the brace on before. So uh, you know, which my knee was feeling okay at the beginning, so. Uh, I said, okay, and I kind of just tucked that in, uh, you know, to the back of my shorts there. And, uh, but I didn't want to have anything else on me. I didn't, you know, I, I brought uh, the, the shirt that they actually give you with your race packet. I brought that just in case. And say, well, you know, worst case scenario, if my shirt gets wet, I'll just change shirts and just wear this. But uh, other than that, that was, that was about it. I had my bag and I checked everything in uh, when I got ready to go to the corral. And uh, all I had on me was my clothes. Yeah, and one thing you shouldn't, and part of the reason why I mention is because if you have a concern, say, well, what do I do with my car keys? What do I do with this? There was no issue as far as security and any having, having to worry about checking your bag for anything that you didn't want to take with you um, before the race started. But let, let's talk about getting to the corrals because there were different waves. There were so many people. Uh, it actually works in a series of waves. And Mike, why don't you go ahead and explain to people how the different series of waves and times works out? What they do is when you uh, when you register for the uh, the race, for be it the half marathon or full marathon, they ask you for a, a honest uh, uh, assessment as to how quickly you think you can finish the race. Based on your assessment, based on what you give them for time, they assign you to a wave or a corral. Obviously, they want the quicker runners up front and the slower runners uh, towards the rear. So what they do is they, uh, they come up with several corrals and they're, uh, assigned letters. And, uh, as you, when you pick up your, uh, race number, your corral and your wave, uh, 
number will be on your uh, on your number. So when you go to the start, and let, as Lou mentioned, it's about a mile, mile and a quarter walk from where we check our bags to the start. Uh, when you get there, there are the corrals, and they are uh, areas, little uh, like just areas that are corded off with some uh, some uh, fencing. And uh, what they do is they will release each corral. Uh, at a certain time, so that Corral A was released at six o'clock. I think the second wave, the second corral, was released at six fifteen, and then I believe the last corral was at six thirty. However, there were so many people this year. I have never seen. Usually, everybody gets in the corrals. This year, not everybody was able to get into the corral. I couldn't get into my corral until the first corral was released. I did a quick head count. As I passed the corrals, and an average of 250 to 275 people had to wait outside their corrals before they could get in. So it was obviously a very popular race this year. Yeah, and corral is definitely the right word for it because you are herded in there and you're squeezed in there like cattle. And, you know, as we talk about when the race starts, that was actually something that was somewhat frustrating. Um, I don't know. I'm sure you guys had the same thing in, in yours as well because when the fireworks go off and they announce the start of your corral, I know y- your adrenaline is so high, you just want to start running. And, you know, I- I'm no Adriano Bastos. That's the guy that won the race, actually. But I was frustrated that I couldn't run right away because we had to almost walk for the first mile, mile and a half as the people started to sort of filter out ahead of you. See, I, I was actually kind of, Lou, I was actually kind of happy about that because, you know, I, me, knowing myself, I knew that, that would be the first thing I want to do is, you know, as soon as I got to that starting line is just hightail it from there. And I knew I was going to need to really conserve some energy and, and be able to go the distance and pace myself. So for me, that was actually a, a pretty good, a pretty good start. It was kind of, you know, just walking fast, maybe a little bit of jogging here and there. Well, that's funny because this year... Uh, more than any other year, I thought the start was was better. Uh, the last two years, I actually walked for the first maybe quarter of a mile before I could get into a jog. But I immediately got into my jog as I crossed the, the start. I might have been in a certain area where we were kind of spread out. But I, I thought that for me this year, I was able to run right from the get-go, which which made me happy. What what wave were you guys in? Well, this, I was going to say, this, this it kind of illustrates the difference. I was in... Um, Corral F in wave three. So I was in, you know, because I had no frame of reference. So I said, all right, look, I'm going to finish in, you know, three and a half hours. I I had no idea. Um, And maybe that was it because there was a lot of walkers um, in my corral. I was in either C or D. I don't remember. It might have been D. might have been D. D wave two, I think. Yeah, that that's actually Mike. That's actually where I was. I was in uh, D wave two, and you know, I I actually don't even remember you know what I put down because I you know having never done a half marathon before or a race before, I had no idea what to expect. Like you, Lou. Well, this is good too because I think we're illustrating the point that everybody runs differently. Everybody's kind of philosophy is differently. My thought was, I have all my energy. I'm feeling good. I want to try and run. And build up as much of a buffer of time as I could. Because in the back of my mind, I'm worrying about sweeper bus coming and and picking me up at some point. So I said, if I build up a buffer of time, since I've never run 13 miles in a stretch before, I don't know how I'm going to feel come mile 10, mile 11. So if I've built up this buffer and I need need to fast walk, I can. But between 
the walkers and people walking sort of eight across, and I hear Mike in the back of my mind going, don't run on the grass, don't weave in and out of people. Um, I I tried to avoid doing that. Plus, my wife runs differently, too. She likes to keep a certain pace. She wants to keep one certain steady pace, which is more like my fast walk. So because we we said we're going to do it together... I didn't want to run and then leave her behind and have to, you know, try and catch up and do things like that. So I, I was almost forced to do a combo walk run, but it doesn't matter because it worked and I was able to finish. So that's the only important yeah. point. Doing that weave, Lou, if, another thing, when you weave, I think I had mentioned this to you guys, when you weave, you're going east-west when you really want to go north-south. And even though many people feel, well, gee, if I can just weave around and cut through these people, I'll be able to go faster, you're actually hurting your time because you're going like i said east west and and i i would guess that it really impacts i mean it may not impact your time a lot but it will impact your final time if you go that way if you and it's dangerous too it's just just dangerous yeah I, you know i was actually you know because of my knee issues i was really trying uh, to take your advice mike and not and not do that so what i would do is you know a you you kind of hit these pockets during the race where all of a sudden you're like, oh, okay, I can kind of speed up a little bit. And then all of a sudden you'll kind of find yourself catching up to the next group. And so what I did, I said, well, instead of passing these people, I'm just going to use that time again to, you know, just kind of pace yourself. So if I reach another group and I couldn't really run as fast as I was before, I'd slow down a little bit. And then eventually, you know, you, you come to a point to where you can comfortably, you know, pass somebody without having to, you know, deviate from your course and then you can speed up a little bit. And so, and I think that really helped uh, me a little bit because, you know, it, as you'll see, as we kind of talk about towards getting to the end of the race, I, you know, I wasn't really, I wasn't on my deathbed. Like I thought, like I thought I was going to be. <laughs> and I just wasn't comfortable no. with the whole Len test to just push him out of the way. Lou philosophy. <laughs> That's just not the way I, I do things. So, oh. but, um, <laughs> you know, as you look at the map before your race and you look at the course, okay, you see that you start off in Epcot and you know that, you know, you're, you're running, um, and your adrenaline's going, but you see that long stretch, down world drive and you say well it's going to be boring but the one thing that i thought was really great and mike you were you were wonderful that you didn't almost spoil some of it for me was the different types of entertainment that disney had along the course especially during that stretch and there were djs and there were bands and there were characters and it really helped kind of get you to some of those next little milestones i know i I kind of set for myself in my mind yeah, they're little carrots and they're little, I call them hooks uh, in that, you know, it makes you say, gee, what's, what's around the next corner? What's, what's on the next mile? And it gives, you, uh, it gives you something to look forward to. It takes your mind off what you're doing. You're expending, expanding, expending energy. And um, that first five miles, I think, are the, I mean, they are the easiest, not just because they're the first five, but you're running towards the toll plaza, you're running towards the Magic Kingdom, you're running towards the TTC. I think it's, it's, it's the most enjoyable part of the race, other than obviously running through the Magic Kingdom. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one of the highlights for me about these little carrots along the way, as you say, is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a, you know, high school band geek. And uh, so I really enjoyed seeing a lot of the, the marching bands out there. And there was even a, uh, an entire steel drum uh, band out there, which I thought was really neat. And I got to give, you know, just mad props out to these kids. I mean, here, it's six o'clock in the morning on a Saturday. 
And, you know, they're out there. I'm sure they were out there well before six o'clock in the morning. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure they're not getting paid for it or anything. It's probably just, you know, part of their school function. But, uh, you know, I, I really was, was touched by that. I, I thought that was great. That's exactly what the point I was going to bring up next was the people. And, and there must have been literally thousands of people that volunteered their time, whether they were cast members or the people on the side of the road handing out water and handing out Powerade. And, and I tried to thank them all. As they're cheering you on, I try and thank them for spending their Saturday morning, you know, doing that for us and for no other reason than, than just to help us out. And it really helped get you through some of those tough miles when you see people cheering you on. And, and a credit to Disney, and it's something so minor, but they put your name on your bib. Right. So as you're walking by complete strangers or running by complete strangers and they say, come on, Lou, come on, Deanna, you guys can do it. You're doing great. It really gives you like such an uplifting feeling. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, and and it's funny because it happens just when you need it too. Uh, they, uh, I think that the uh, volunteers are encouraged to call out your name. I think that those people who are uh, en- encouraging uh, those groups called uh, uh, teams in training, uh, they they en- uh, encourage the volunteers and the coaches to do that too. And and you see it, it catches up. Uh, everybody who is along the uh, the the course rooting you on they you know they'll look for someone who just seems to be dragging a little bit and they say come on you you're doing well Lou you're doing well Brian you're doing well Mike and it really really makes a difference and I think I think you're right Lou I think someone somewhere decided hey let's put the name on the bib and and let's see if uh, we can use that to to help our our, our participants and, and it does yeah it, it um, I mean you know, we talked about some of those milestones and and for me it was whether it was a physical place like is it going to be you know mile five or is it going to be the magic kingdom or is it going to be mile 10 i remember actually running to mile 10 and i'm like all right you know we're in the double digits only three more miles to go and i i try i, I didn't talk very much during the race but i leaned over to deanna and i said you know we only have three more miles to go but imagine these poor guys tomorrow that see mile 10 and go only 16 more miles to go <laughs> <laughs> i know i give them a lot of credit boy i know what did you guys think uh, when you started running up main street usa Oh, it's indescribable. It is indescribable. It's uh, you almost—I hate to say—you know, you almost get choked up because you're oh, you're yeah. running on Main Street and there's people there. And then when you see friendly faces and faces of people that came down to cheer you on, and and I was fortunate that I had some of these great friends that did that for for us. Um, It—I mean, I, I get choked up now saying it because it was it was an incredible moment. Lou, I'm gl- really glad you said that because I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to seem like a, a baby or a <laughs> somebody who's just, uh, you know, just really mushy. But uh, that was really the pinnacle for me when we we, we ran in uh, to Main Street. That was the first point where I actually saw my wife during the race, and it's also the point where I think. Uh, with the exception of the finish line, where you see the most amount of cheerers and supporters and, and, and everybody that are there. And even though, you know, I don't know hardly anybody that's there except for, you know, my wife uh, who was there on Main Street, um, you, it really, really gets to you. And it gets to you that, like, wow, I'm finally here. I mean, it, you know, for, for all the reasons that you do the race for, I think that it's one of the biggest. It's just be able to run through the magic kingdom to be able to run up main street and there there were two points that really got to me and it, it was running up main street and then for some reason maybe just because i'm really partial to tomorrowland it was running down uh the avenue of the planets mm-hmm. without anybody else there except for the cast members yeah. and the people running the race i mean it was like 
wow, this, this is really it. I, I really made it. You know, and uh, I, I, I got a little choked up myself. I don't know if it was sweat or, <laughs> or what it was in my eye, but uh, it, it was absolutely just, it was fantastic. It's kind of cool. I can remember that when you, when you run a race uh, of this magnitude with, you know, 13 miles, sometimes you, you tend to find yourself running next to someone for a long period of time. And I think from mile three on, there was this woman who was running to my right and she was pretty much doing the same pace I was doing and we're running and and uh, as we're getting into um, the Magic Kingdom, you know, you go through the back area and we come out between, for those who haven't run the race, we come out between Tony's and the Chapeau and we, we come in and then we turn right and we're running up the Magic, uh, running up Main Street USA. Well, this woman who hadn't said a word to me for 35, 40 minutes, when we turned the corner, she looked at me and she said, oh my God, is this cool? And I could tell that it was, you know, obviously it was her first race and she was just overwhelmed and her face just lit up. And I, I'm glad that she said that to me because I almost forgot to enjoy it. You know, I mean, when you do it several times, you, you know, there's a, it's not, it's, it's not as much of a experience. And, and I tend to, and one of the reasons why I try to help so many people is I try to get a vicariousness, vicarious feeling off of everyone. And and she actually did it for me. Running up, I realized how fortunate. It's not just how cool, but how fortunate we are, how lucky we are that we have the capability of doing that to go down and to run this race. You know, God gives us this you know ability to run, and we're 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 enjoying something that. Not everybody gets to enjoy. It's uh, how many people get to run up the Magic Kingdom. And like you said, Brian, running through Tomorrowland and then running through the castle and, and all that stuff. I think that is the, one of the highlights, if not the highlight, for all the participants in the race. Yeah, and along the way, there's, there's characters cheering you on and there's cast members cheering you on. And there's you know other little special surprises in the Magic Kingdom that just kind of give you that little extra bit of a burst and and it makes all the difference and i said at the beginning you cannot describe that part of the experience um so unquestionably that it was probably the pinnacle and it was early enough on the race that we weren't quite dead yet but what was maybe the toughest part for you what was the toughest mile or the toughest stretch of the race for you guys well, it, before I answer that, Lou, I just wanted – you were talking about the characters, and I just had to make one comment because this was something I was really surprised about. And I don't know about you, Lou, but there were actually people, a lot of people who carried their cameras along with them while they were running. And I know when we got to the backstage area uh, behind Splash Mountain uh, as you're, after you go through Frontierland, uh, they had a, a, a pirate ship there. I believe it was a, a float. I uh, could be wrong, but I know there was a pirate ship and uh, some pirates and uh, Jack Sparrow. And there was actually a queue line forming to take pictures with, <laughs> <laughs> with these characters. And, you know, I, I thought that was really great. And I was like, well, this is really fun. But at the same time, part of me was like, come on, people, this is a race. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I thought that was really surprising. But as far as what was the hardest uh, stretch for me, uh, I knew I knew going into this that leaving the Magic Kingdom uh that was probably going to be, it, I don't want to use the phrase downhill from there, but that was going to be a hard stretch. And a after you leave the backstage area, um, you, you, there's kind of, there's that stretch of road uh, that you uh, that you go to before you get to the Grand Floridian. And it's just 
it's just trees. <laughs> There's really nothing, you know, nothing to look at. It's probably about a, a mile or so, I would say, of trees. And that was really the start of uh, the hardest part of the race for me. Um, and, but I would have to say probably that whole stretch back and right until you get to uh, uh, close to the uh, the overpass uh, to go back up to Epcot. And uh, Mike, I know that you know you and I have talked many times about you know that that overpass being really hard. To, but actually, you know that wasn't the hardest part for me because by then I was running on adrenaline. I could see Spaceship Earth, and uh, you know I was really excited. But so yeah, that's probably the hardest part was leaving the Magic Kingdom, and that uh, I don't know what is that about three or four miles before you get to the uh, to the overpass. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, at least. At least because I think that's yeah yeah probably, Grand Floridian's mile seven and then my you're looking at like mile eleven for the overpass yeah 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 well for me um, I think there were I, I think there are two spots um, when I hit mile eight uh, my knee decided to uh, let me know that that was going to be it for running and um, I wasn't going to uh, agree with my knee. I figured that what I'd do is I'd walk for five minutes and then I'd, I'd try jogging again. So during mile nine, um, my knee was very convincing and it pretty much said to me, you're done running for the day. And uh, that was that was a very hard point uh, for me in the race. The, the other one was going into um, – Going into Epcot, when we came from backstage, uh, of my 12 or 13 races down there, this was the first one in which I actually was walking through a theme park instead of running, and, and I didn't run across the finish line. So that those two areas were, were, were somewhat hard for me. I, I didn't have any problem with the hills. I mean, I knew they were there. Uh, it was just a, sort of a disappointment that I couldn't run further than that I wanted to. But, hey, I finished, so that's all that counts. Exactly. I, I mean, it. I always say that it's analogous to the bar exam because nobody asks you what your score was. They just want to know if you passed or not. And that's, and that's what the right. marathon is like. You know, the time <laughs> is nice. And, and I actually, you know, from when I started running, I was like, okay, you know, I, I can finish this race. And then I got to a point where, hey, I, I'm not going to get swept to say, hey, I, I want to do this in under three hours. But that was totally secondary to just enjoying the experience. And I think the toughest part or the toughest stretch for me was probably – right near the end because I knew what what I was doing was any uphill I would fast walk I didn't want to expend extra energy running uphill I would run downhill and I would walk uphill especially that huge banking overpass as you get to Epcot because you're you're turning and you're banking and it's it's pretty steep grade so I didn't want to waste too much energy but I started to feel it in my legs and my legs started to burn when I was backstage in Epcot but I said, when I'm in Epcot and I'm coming up to that finish line, I am going to, I am going to, no matter what, I'm going to run and I'm going to run across that finish line. And uh, it was burning <laughs> and the dogs were barking, but um, it, it was right there, you know, as you got closer to the end that, that you really start to, to feel it because the adrenaline is starting to wear off and the energy's wearing off and, and your cliff shot from mile 10, which was a huge help, is starting to wear off. But um, yeah. When you hear the crowds and you start seeing that finish line banner, that gets you right back up again. So yeah, it, it, Epcot was a was a great experience. I think actually, you know, running into it, and uh, you know, like you said, Lou, you know, you, you really need that adrenaline, you know, to kind of push you that extra. It's probably a good mile from from the time you actually enter uh, through the backstage area till the time you cross that finish line. 
And uh, they had some really neat things uh, that I thought that were really neat uh, as far as Epcot. Um, I, I know once you get uh, – you actually get by, uh, to the backstage area coming out of Epcot, uh, they have the uh, – they had the big uh, gospel choir there. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a really nice touch. I thought that was really neat, uh, really kind of you know, gave me a, a little extra boost. I was like, wow, this is, this is great. You know, There's, it's kind of like you know, musical people cheering you on. You know, it, it, that was really neat. When we got yeah, to mile, too. when we got to yeah. mile twelve, I told my wife, "I'm like, all right, we're done. We did this." And I'm like, "I'm running, and I'm running, and I'm like, this is the longest mile ever." <laughs> oh like, my god! Are you kidding I know. me? <laughs> I'm like, "Is this like a joke? Is this you know where is this? Is it end?" And that and that's where I really started to finish it. But you're right with with the gospel music and and everybody else. I mean, again, the people who were lined up for so long. I mean, from the twelfth mile marker on cheering you on that that's what really um that's what really gets you there so what was it like well i mean especially brian you first this was your first one like me what did it feel like crossing the finish line uh, well a, a funny thing happened because you know i was watching i was watching the mile markers and you know when we entered epcot i mean i don't know how many you know times i need to say this but i was i was man i was pumped up I, I was really excited. My knee was killing me, but all the pain just went away in my knee as soon as, as, soon as we entered Epcot. And one of the neat things is I actually spotted a, a, a listener from our show uh, who was out there cheering his wife on. And I was like, wow, there's somebody else that I know in the line. You know, I gave him a high five. And uh, that really you know, it boosted me up. And I, so I tore through Epcot, and I really picked up things a lot. And I said, okay, this is the last mile. I'm, I'm just going you know, to give it all I got. And uh, – I was I was thinking that what they were going to do for the mile markers was you know since the half marathon is thirteen point one miles, I figured I said well they'll probably just you know put the mile marker just put the finish line at the thirteen point one they wouldn't put one at mile thirteen and then you know have you run to the tenth of a mile well that's what they did so I saw the mile marker and I wasn't even reading the mile marker I just saw the big clock ticking away. And I said, wow, this is really great. I had a kind of time in my mind of what I estimated myself finishing at. And I said, well, this is really good. I'm, I'm actually beating that time. So I, just, I just gave it everything I had. And then I made it to that mile marker. And then I noticed everyone around me was still running. <laughs> and I said, oh, this isn't the finish line. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I really had to dig deep to to get that last bit of energy to to run that uh, tenth of a mile because I had really just kind of overshot myself. But you know I I did and it, it it was it was great. I mean once I finally finally crossed that finish line, the first thought that came to my mind is you know I did it. And as I said at, at the beginning of this segment, this is something that I wasn't sure if I could do or not. I've never I had never run a race before. And, uh, you know, it, when I started my training, I was doing two to three miles. Uh, so that was the first thing that came across my mind is like, wow, I, I did it. It was great. All right, you, Mike. Hmm. Oh, well, I, I think, you know, in all honesty and, and uh, this this comes from the heart, I my concern was not me as much as, you know, you guys making sure that you guys finished and, and everyone who was doing this for the first time. I mean, I had, I had done it you know, twice before, so I knew that, you know, it was within my reach and it was secondary for me to cross. I, uh, I crossed. I was really happy to see. I was ecstatic to see you and uh, Deanna at the finish line, Lou. And, and uh, I mean, that, that's what it was all about this year. It was, it was all about, 
seeing everybody, you know, reach down and and find out that yes, they could do this, and and you know, the, it, there's so much that goes through your mind and so much that goes through your heart when you when you cross that finish line. It's it's something that you can experience only once, no matter how many times you do it. When you do it the very first time, that is something that you will never experience again. Uh, you'll never feel that way again. So, so I, 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 I want you guys to always remember what that feeling was because it will never feel like that again until you do maybe a full marathon. <laughs> <laughs> That's next year, right, Lou? That's not get crazy there, Scope, all right? Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, you finish, as soon as you finish, everybody starts asking you, oh, you're going to do it again next year? I'm like, listen, let me just enjoy this for like five minutes before you start talking about <laughs> next year but you're right training begins next week right (laughs) Uh, yeah we'll see Uh, (laughs) i'm gonna ask you about guys what what's about in the future for you as far as running goes but you know that's what it was for me you know i i I was happy that i was able to cross together with my wife and i knew that mike was right right there behind me literally and figuratively and just that sense of accomplishment that you succeeded in that personal challenge and then when you see you know at the fence people that came out to see you run and got up early to get to the starting line and go to main street and then come back to the finish line and you get that choked up moment again i'm not going to lie to you it you, because it's such a great feeling and the support of so many people friends and strangers that are proud of what you did um and that adrenaline that you felt at three o'clock in the morning is brought right back again and my, I didn't even feel my legs at that point. I felt so good and I felt so happy, and that carried through for the entire night, for the for the rest of the day. Yeah, I, I agree. I thought I would be exhausted, and it, you know, I really wanted to head straight to the park after the race, and I was a little worried as what if I'm just too tired to go walk the parks. But uh, really, I mean, I was I was raring to go. I mean, it, I th- I think you really. Uh, just survive off adrenaline for the rest of the day, and you know, Lou, I was really, you know, I was really proud of you. I just got to say, and you know, I was really happy that uh, that everything ended uh, well for both you and Deanna for the race, because, like I said, you know, you really inspired me, you know, to get up and do this, and so I was really, really proud to just see that everything turned out good for you. Well, thank you. I know this is sounding like you know a love fest of the mutual admiration society, but <laughs> exactly, you know, Mike, you did, you, you. you inspired me and so many other people to do this and I really was able to finish because I of the support that you guys gave me um in these in these many months and and everybody else that emailed and called and voicemailed and and everything else that they did um that goes a long way to uh to making this happen and like you said Brian you, you know you put that medal on and it's like this burst of energy that carries you through for the rest of the day and I asked Mike I'm like you know do you take the metal off? He's like, what are you kidding me? You wear that metal all day. You go take a shower and you go put that metal right back on. And when you see other people walking in the park with it, you all, you know, you don't know each other, but you give each other that look like, Hey, good job. You know, nice work. Well, yeah, it, that, go ahead, Brian. I, I was just going to say if, if I equated it back to like having the, uh, we did the honeymoon buttons when we went down for a honeymoon and everybody, you know, was like, you know, was telling you congratulations. It was the same exact thing with the metal. And I hadn't actually thought about that. But, you know, you're just walking through the park and just complete strangers, not not only cast members, but guests would walk by and say, hey, congratulations. It felt great. Yeah. Uh, the very first time, you know, I mean, it, it's an accomplishment because it's not just what you accomplished that day. But again, it's what you what you build up for during the entire year. And um, 
<clears throat> those people who have run that distance probably appreciate it more than those who haven't. As much as uh, you do get congratulations from everyone, it's those who have run uh, races like 5K, a 10K, 15K, and maybe even halves and fulls. They know what goes into running the race. They know what kind of mental discipline you require to constantly focus as you run. So you do have to wear those those medals. It, it, it I don't. I wear it that day. I don't wear it on Sunday. I used to wear it on Sunday, but I, I, what I've tried to do the last two years is not wear it on Sunday and allow that to be the day for the uh, the full marathoners because um, they they deserve their day. You know, we have our day, and and, and they deserve their day. True, and, and big credit goes out to the people that run the full marathon, and I, I can't even applaud loud enough the people that do the goofy and they do the half marathon you know just to kind of warm up for sunday and then they run a full marathon back to back and i know that we all i'm sure have a lot of listeners that did that and you know my, my hat goes off to you i have the utmost respect for you guys doing that well we talked to uh, laurel before the race lou she had done the 5k she did the half marathon and she did the full the next day i i checked checked on her and she did all three and in great time too i might add Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, right, that's just borderline amazing. craziness. <laughs> that's, just, that's, that's, that's 42, let's see, 3, 26, uh, let me see, 3, 16, 42. That's, that's close to 43 miles in three days. That's a lot of, yeah. that's a lot of miles. But, you know, that, that actually serves to a, a good point. And part of the reason why I wanted to do this, too, was these races, which, again, I have no frame of reference, but... Disney does an exceptional job. I thought just from stem to stern, every aspect of the race just went off flawlessly, in my opinion, at least in my experience. But the race is something that, if you are a runner, is probably one of these once-in-a-lifetime kind of things where you can run through the parks. But for a guy like me, or if you're listening and you're saying, I'm not a runner, I can't race, there's no way I could ever do 13 miles, I'm out of shape, I don't train, I am telling you, you can do it, and it's not, you know, for people like me, it's not a race. It's about having fun, and it really is such a fun experience. And Mike, you hit it on the head. It is something you will never, ever forget. And for somebody that's done so much at Disney World, this is the one thing that I'm happy to say I was able to do. And if you're contemplating doing it for 2009, I am telling you, as somebody that didn't train very much, you can do it. And there will be people helping you along the way, I promise you. I, I, I echo all your all your comments, Lou. And, and for those who are seriously thinking about doing this, um, what they need to do is they don't have to worry about training right away. I'd say by, excuse me, by March and April, they may want to get out there and start, you know, just starting very, very briefly, you know, if, just a little bit of t- a time each day, a, a mile here, a mile there, and slowly build up. The training for a marathon is a marathon in itself. It's not a sprint. And I think that um, one of the things that I recommend to those who are doing something like this is to is to work towards a 5K race, maybe work towards a 10K race, and that gives you an idea as to what it is to actually run in a race with a bunch of people and what kind of running eti- etiquette is is taking place and gives you a certain comfort level but but I agree it's 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 something that unless you really have some serious ambulatory problems I think anybody can I think anybody can do this race you don't have to run the entire distance that's for sure um 
but it's just a uh, it's a real accomplishment and and there's no greater feeling in the world that when when you cross that finish line and and you say to yourself you know I did this and it all comes down to an individual kind of a thing and you know when it's all said and done Lou you had to do that yourself I didn't run any of that for you I didn't run any of that for Deanna same with you Brian you did it yourself and it's like it's an individual accomplishment and you should be proud of what you've done you really should Absolutely. All right. <laughs> enough of this mutual admiration society <laughs> so alright everybody asked me I'm sure especially Brian you and Mike you they said alright are you going to do it again next year or or What's next now? You know, do you have the the marathon bug? Was this a one and done for you, uh, Mike? Since you are the, the the veteran, what about you? Well, you know, it's funny. At the end of a uh, a thirteen mile distance, the last thing on my mind is, gee, I wonder if I could do another thirteen. <laughs> but that's always been in my sight. I think that uh, there is a way of of doing the um, there is a way of doing the marathon without having to run the entire distance. For me, I need to address some some health issues with my knee first before I, I consider that. And, and I may very well be told, you know, to limit myself. So we'll see what the uh, professionals have to say about that. But I think that there is some unfinished business that I have with the uh, Disney World half marathon. And that is that I have never run the entire distance i've run 12 and three maybe 12 and a half miles of that 13.1 and i want to run all 13 so that's that's in my in my uh my back pocket for for the future i will be uh doing uh some other races i I intend to run race for the cure and i intend to run well, either I probably will be doing just race for the race for the cure this year. I won't be doing race for the taste. But as far as uh, marathon weekend, right now, I'm thinking half marathon. Someday, I'm thinking full marathon, and I think I'm crazy enough to try to do them both someday. I don't know that that would be you know that would be the ultimate for me. But that's that would require a lot of training and a lot of slimming down and a lot of commitment. So we'll see. Where are you, Brian? Wow, that's a scary question, Lou. <laughs> because you know, I've really been contemplating ever since uh, it, the uh, last weekend. I've really been contemplating this, and and I hate to say anything, especially on a show, because I know people are going to hold me to my words. But uh, I'm just going to say that I am really, really strongly considering uh, doing the full marathon next year. Um, that's something that going into this, even the day of the race, I said, these people are crazy. That's 26 miles. You know, I drive 26 miles to work every day. You know, I I can't imagine running that distance, but, uh, you know, (laughs) actually getting out there and doing the half marathon, uh, and I, I just have such a strong desire to have the experience that I had in magic kingdom, but in all four parks and, you know, to be able to run through all four parks to be able to run through world showcase. Uh, you know, I just think that would be tremendous. And you just knowing that I wasn't completely dead at the end of the race. And, uh, you know, if it weren't with some issues, you know, with, with my knee actually kind of acting up towards the end, I, I felt, I, I don't think I could have done another 13 miles, but, uh, I definitely felt like I could have gone on a little, a little longer. So I figure, you know, I've got a year to train, 
uh, a year to kind of bump it up and to do some research on how to minimize uh, some of the, you know, the physical, you know, things that happen to you when you run long distances, such as blisters and things like that. So I've got a year to kind of do some research on that and, uh, and pick up the training. So I, I'm really strongly considering it. I, I'm not going to say I'm definitely going to do it, but that's definitely something that uh, I, I really want to do next year. Well, Your turn, counselor. I'll say to you what I would say to anybody that's contemplating doing the half marathon next year and is still kind of on the cusp. I think the biggest, one of the biggest accomplishments is not necessarily finishing the race, but saying that you're going to do it and signing up for it. Because putting yourself out there and getting yourself out on that starting line, whether you finish, whether you get swept, whether you walk, it doesn't matter. That that's a big you know that's a big thing right there and it's a big challenge to put in front of yourself. So for me, it really was the personal challenge of you know I want to do this. Can I do it for myself? Um, and I did. So I, I know that I will be at the 2009 half marathon. Whether I run or not, I don't know. But there are are people running that I want to make sure that I'm there to support. Um, I, I may what I think I'm about do, I'm starting to think about doing is maybe some of the other themed races, some of the other fun races. Like you said, Mike, there's the Race for the Cure. That's a 5K, October 5th of this year. 5K after doing 13 miles hopefully shouldn't be a problem. Uh, There's a Tower (laughs) of Terror 13K, which is October 25th. There's the Race for the Taste, which I think is October 12th. Um, For women, there's the Mini Marathon Weekend. There's a a 5K, a 15K, and a kids race. And then, again, January 8th to 11th of 2009 is the 5K, the half, and the full. So... uh, you're right, Mike. You do kind of get bitten by that bug, and I don't think my my running days—I won't call them racing days—I'll call them my running days. I don't think that they're necessarily over. So uh, I think I'll do. This I can again. tell you, I can tell you, Lou, every one of those races that you've mentioned, I have run. I've done the, uh, I've done the the two. Uh, I've done that uh, mini marathon weekend uh, in May. I think it was a 5K through downtown Disney, and then the 15K through. Oh, I believe the 15K went through uh, Animal Kingdom, and I think it went through Animal Kingdom, World of Sp- Animal Kingdom, the studios, and Epcot. And I've done Race for the Cure and Race for the Taste. They're all wonderful races, uh, as is the uh, Walt Disney World Marathon. They they each have their own unique personality. So I don't think that anybody would uh, be disappointed in in participating in any of them. I I, I think they're they're all. Uh, run very very well. I think that the, uh, I think that the Tower of Terror 13K needs improvement, but the rest of them are right up there as far as quality goes. They just top top level uh, races. Yeah. Well, you know, like I said, this one I, I did for myself. I think in the future, if I do some of the other other ones, um, I- I'm going to do them for others. It's going to be a chance for me to kind of help give back again, and I'm going to do some some uh, creative stuff to raise money for charity. Um, now that I, now that I know I can do it without getting swept. (laughs) So, but, um, guys, I, I cannot say thank you enough. And I, and I mean this sincerely for making this amazing, amazing experience possible. It was everything you described and everything I anticipated would be and so much more. And it was exciting and exhilarating and fills you with such a sense of pride and accomplishment. Um, I, I am thankful and, and proud uh, of both of you guys, and I really appreciate you helping me along the way, and then coming on to kind of recap this with me tonight. Wow, um, I, I guess uh, what I'd, I'd like to say at this point is um, I'm appreciative of of the faith everyone had in me, uh, in 
in asking advice and and trusting that I could give them whatever they needed to uh, to help them do this. Uh, I'm, I'm actually humbled by it, by all the nice words, and uh, it it. it it's like you say, Lou, you, you want to give back. And uh, sometimes you, you put yourself in a position, you say, I wish that um, there was somebody there to answer those questions. And, and I sort of looked at that and I said, well, you know, if I can't run, at least I want to help someone. And it all comes down to, to seeing people uh, measure up to a personal challenge and see the, the look on their face and the smile and, and just the feeling of exhilaration. And, and, that is priceless, and, and I will never forget the look on your face and Deanna's face as I crossed the finish line. You were so happy, and uh, that's worth th- – there's no, there's no amount of money in the world that, that can buy that feeling. And so for that, I, I'm, I'm very grateful, and, and I, just, uh, I just thank everybody for, for having the faith, and, and, and I'm just so happy that everybody – and I'm hoping that everybody who did this for the first – tried this for the first time – Across the finish line, and you guys were uh, very instrumental in 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 helping me help you because um, I, you, both of you are very important to me, and I wanted to make sure that that I could just give you as much information as I felt you needed. And and again, I congratulate both of you for a job well done. Big group hug, right? <laughs> oh yeah, this is really sickening. <laughs> now, well, you know, and I echo a lot of those same sentiments, Mike. And you know, this is uh, it really kind of trickled down. I mean, it, my co-host on on my show, Jonathan Dichter, has uh, has gotten inspired to do his his uh, half marathon uh, in 2009, and uh, I definitely uh, want to be there to support him. I was planning on actually doing the half with him and and kind of running alongside of him. And he's doing some great charity work uh, through uh, through uh, Lou's uh, DisneyWorldTrivia.com as well. But, uh, you know, I, I think that's great. I mean, I saw a lot of people out there who were running – uh, it's something that you have fun doing. A lot of people are having a lot of fun, but I know you guys probably saw a lot of the same people that I did with shirts, uh, with pictures of um, loved ones and uh, family yeah. members that they were running for. So yeah. I, I think that's fantastic that you can get out there and you can have a good time and and still do good for you know for charities and and for family members and loved ones and uh, prove something to yourself at the same time. I agree, guys. Mike Scopa from WDW Today and AllEars.net and Brian Ripper from All About the Mouse. Guys, thank you so much. Thanks to everybody that supported all of us, whether you were there or whether it be uh, email or otherwise. We really appreciate it. And remember, if you are thinking about it, you can do it. So definitely sign up for it. Thanks, guys. Good night. Good night, guys.
About eight months ago, uh, not long after I announced my decision to train for and run in the 2008 Walt Disney World Half Marathon, I received an email from a listener that honestly gave me pause, and I admittedly had to read it a few times before I understood the request, and then again to make sure I wasn't really misreading it. Uh, and it was from my next guest, whose email not only had a significant impact on my training and motivation, but has touched and benefited the lives of so many other people. And he is Eric Hollister from geomouse.com. He is the creator and brains behind the WDW radio show Half Marathon Challenge Contest. Eric, I want to welcome you back to the show, buddy. Hey there, Lou. How's it going? Good, good, good. And like I said, I, I have survived and successfully completed the marathon, so it's all good. Well, it wasn't as bad as you thought it was going to be then. <laughs> not quite, not quite. I actually felt I actually felt really good after it was done. So, um, like I said, any if I can do it, anybody can do it. But um, and I'm and I'm sure that medal didn't feel so heavy after you wore it afterwards. You know what? E- even a week after the marathon, still wearing it around the house, it still feels pretty good. <laughs> so, showering with it is a bit tough, but not, you know, I work around it. So there you go. But, you know, I wanted to mention your email because it was really out of the blue and it really did surprise me, not only because you had a great idea for the contest, but because really of what you wanted to personally do and contribute. And do me a favor, just kind of remind everybody what your idea was and what you've been doing for the past 13 challenges. Well, well, basically, I mean, I knew when I had heard about your Disney World Dream Team project um, that you were doing to benefit children from the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Yeah, I think everybody, whenever they hear about a cause, uh, you know, it, it always has to be something that resonates with them personally. And, you know, I wanted to be not only a part of this, but I kind of wanted to do it in a way that was maybe a little bit different. And being a marketing and an advertising guy, um, you know, I thought, well, maybe there's a way to kind of not only make it fun, but also involve some of the listeners and get them involved with your run, continue to help you not only train, but uh, stay motivated throughout the entire process. So that's when I thought about, okay, maybe I can tie some of the donations into a challenge that corresponds into each one of those miles. And not only will the winner, the listeners have an opportunity to participate, but they'll also have an opportunity to win prizes and also to name uh, one of the miles in your run. So, that was really the whole basis behind it. It really, it, it took off and it was just a lot of fun, not only uh, seeing everybody participate, but also listening and, and viewing a lot of these different uh, mile marker creations that people were coming up with. Uh, it, was, it was just a lot of fun. Yeah, and, and you know, the thing that really got me was the fact that you were donating prizes out of your own pocket and you were making up all these certificates, plus you were giving $100 per mile to the DisneyWorldTribute.com Dream Team Project. And let, I, I need to tell everybody what you asked for in return. And that honestly was nothing. You didn't ask for a certain, you didn't ask for a single thing. It was a purely philanthropic gesture on your part. And I can't say thanks enough um, for what you did because the challenges motivated me as I passed each mile and knowing kind of in the back of my mind, trying to remember that this was somebody else's mile. This was a mile that somebody that, that they named um, and some of the names were pretty creative and that they were sort of counting on me um, to finish as well. Absolutely. And, um, you know, hopefully it not only continued to be a motivating type of thing, but I mean, for me, it was personally rewarding just to know that, you know, 
somebody that we may never have an opportunity to meet uh, through the Make-A-Wish Foundation, uh, you know, will benefit from, you know, not just the donations that I made. I, I've seen lots of donations either through the magic meets that you guys did last year. Uh, other people have come on. Some have, you know, said that they've matched the donation that I've done. Uh, there was the whole 25 days of giving that one of your listeners had uh, decided to come up with. So, I, you know, I think it was, it was a great way just to involve the listeners um, and also allow them to use some of their own creativity to be a part of it as well. And, you know, just in the back of my mind, I know that somebody else that is very worthy is going to benefit on the great work that everybody did. Yeah, and you mentioned the the mile marker names, and we've been kind of going through them uh, every couple of weeks. What, what do you say we kind of just recount uh, some of? We'll, I will kind of go mile by mile and talk about the different mile marker names that um, people had, and then what we'll do is we'll also play the clip of the thirteenth mile marker winner. And if you like, we could even draw the grand prize winner uh, for the finish line. That sounds like a plan. All right, the first mile marker was um, at the starting line was won by Katie Ard, and it was called My Oh My, What a Wonderful Day. Mile marker one was from Chasey Cherry, and it was called A Lou Beginning. Eric two is Eric Solan's The Expedition, Eric Summit. Third was Nick Lay's The Charm. Fourth was Rob and Heidi Meister, and actually Rob ran the Goofy. He did the half marathon and the full marathon. Congratulations to him. I saw him while we were down there. That was the Mickey Meister Mile. Mile five was Grim Grinning Ghosts but from Jennifer Davis. Jeremy Cotto had mile marker number six, which was the Imagination Mile around the Magic Kingdom. Mile seven was Someday I'll Find My Love from Ashley Fisher. Darren Whitco was number eight. That was This Here is the Wildest Mile on the Marathon. Number nine is my favorite, Len Testa's Milo Mangello from William Vangrel. Mile 10 was If We Can Dream It, You Can Do It for at least three more miles from Brian Patterson. Number 11 was Rebecca Roberts. That was Take Me to the Laughing Place. And James Dezern had number 12, Are We There Yet? And uh, we still have the 13th winner. And uh, like I said, Eric, it's up to you. If you want, we could actually draw the winner for the finish lines. And you can also tell them what the, uh, what the grand prize is going to be as well. Not a problem. We can go ahead and play uh, mile marker number 13's winner clip. And then uh, we can go ahead and draw the winner for the grand prize. Cool. Well, hello there, WDW Radio Show listeners. Eric Hollister from GeoMouse.com, and it is update time. It's time to update everyone on the winner for our final challenge in our 13-part Lou Mangello Half Marathon Challenge Series. The question we asked last time was, besides Lou and myself, who were the other four individuals who helped us with the challenges throughout the series? And name either the podcast or the website that they are affiliated with. Well, the answers to those questions are Mike Scopa from the WDW Today podcast, mouseplanet.com, or allears.net. We accepted any one of those answers. Matt Hotchberg from studioscentral.com, formerly known as mgmstudios.org, and also the WDW Today podcast. We also accepted any of those answers. Jeff Pepper from 2719hyperion.com or 2719hyperion.blogspot. Dot com as it was originally known as in the beginning when Lou and Jeff started working together. And finally, Jonathan Dichter, and we basically we accepted voiceofmousetunes.blogspot.com or the All About the Mouse podcast. 
And shoot, heck, in Jonathan's case, we probably could have technically accepted just about any of those podcasts out there since he's almost appeared on every single one of them. Uh, so we want to thank all those guys uh, for their help uh, throughout this entire series. And we went ahead and pulled all the correct answers together, and we drew a name. And the winner for challenge number 13 is Steve Barth. And Steve has chosen to name mile number 13 as This Way to the Ambulance, Lou. Steve wins both Walt Disney World Trivia Books Volumes 1 and 2, signed by Lou Mangiello, the DisneyWorldTrivia.com t-shirt, trading pin, and lanyard. Steve will also get a Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End Canvas Gisley, along with a certificate of dedication for mile number 13. His name will also be entered into the grand prize drawing, which will take place after the marathon has been run. And finally, Geomouse.com will donate $100 to the Dream Team Project. So now... We have our 13 winners in the WDW Radio Half Marathon Challenge. Again, congratulations to Steve Barth for number 13. These 13 finalists will be entered into a grand prize drawing, which will take place on the WDW Radio Show for the week of January 27, 2008. For those of you who may be wondering what our grand prize is, a quick recap. The Pirates of the Caribbean Trilogy on Blu-ray Disc the entire Pixar feature film collection on DVD, a giant Mickey Mouse plush figure, and also a sorcerer Mickey big figurine. Also, for those of you who may remember, I made an announcement a few weeks ago that I would draw a name from the challenge number 10 contest entries for those who had submitted Muppet Vision 3D as an answer. Well, I have drawn a name from that group, and Katie Ard was selected. We took Katie's name submission, and the starting line will be named as My Oh My, What a Wonderful Day. I'm also happy to announce that Larry Heatenberg will name the finish line as I'm Done, Did I Hear Lose Buying Beaches and Cream. Now, there aren't any prizes per se with the starting and finish lines. However, we will be sending both Katie and Larry a certificate of dedication for those names that they have chosen. Also, Geomouse.com will donate an additional $50 to the Dream Team Project on behalf of all those Muppet Vision 3D submissions for mile number 10. And say, uh, keep your eyes on Geomouse.com here in a couple weeks. Uh, Jeff Pepper was kind enough to put together a map with all 13 mile markers, including the starting and the finish line, for the names of the, mar- or the mile markers in Lou's Run. So I want to say congratulations uh, to all of our winners. I also want to take this opportunity to say thank you to all the listeners who have taken the time to play along in our Half Marathon Challenge Series. It's been a lot of fun reading all those great mile names. I hope everyone out there has enjoyed this. For me, this has been a rewarding experience, especially to play a part in Lou's Dream Team Project, which will go towards the Make-A-Wish Foundation. And I will be back on January 27th to make the grand prize announcement But until then, let's send it back to Lou Mangiello and the WDW Radio Show. Cool. Congratulations again to Steve Barth uh, with mile number 13. This way to the ambulance, Lou. Unfortunately, there was no ambulance involved for me. So, uh, but thanks for thinking about me anyway, and, and my health and well-being. So, and and there was a finish line which uh, was by Larry Hedenberg, which 
and the name for that was I'm Done, Did I Hear Lose Buying the Beaches and Cream. So was there Beaches and Cream involved with, uh, with the egg or finality of the race? Sort of. I, I actually went to Beaches and Cream the day before the race. Um, okay. I went with, with Jessica and her family from the If We Can Dream It blog. And I think the No Way Jose is really what got me past those last three miles. And for the listeners who may not be familiar, um, we did both a starting line and a finish line. Uh, basically, it was my screw-up on mile number 10 when Scopa had come on. The quote that he had done was not only from the O Canada film, but it was also from Muppet Vision 3D. And uh, we weren't trying to throw anybody off, but uh, we were made aware that it was not only in Muppet Vision 3D, but also the new O Canada film. So I thought, you know, in the spirit of fun, what I was going to do was I was going to let the listener who had brought it to our attention name the finish line, and we're going to be sending him a certificate of uh, dedication for the finish line. And I figured, you know, what we'll do is everybody who submitted a Muppet Vision 3D as an answer for mile number 10, I would throw them in and randomly draw, and that person would get to name the starting line. So Katie Yard, who did My Oh My, What a Wonderful Day. Uh, and I figured it was actually appropriate for uh, the start of the race. So congratulations to both uh, Larry and Katie, uh, who got to name the starting and finish line. Yeah, and to everybody that won over the, the, the past number of weeks and everybody that contributed uh, some really, really funny and very creative uh, mile marker names, even some of the ones that didn't win, you definitely gave Eric and I a pretty good laugh along the way, I have to admit. And I, I will say that by far there were more references to Lynn Testa in a lot of these mile marker names. I was ready for the ringing bell just to start dinging <laughs> time after time. But uh, one of the things – also I want to say thanks to um, – you know, not only uh, Matt Hotchberg from StudioCentral.com, Mike Scopa, uh, Jeff Pepper, and also Jonathan Dichter, uh, who not only helped participate, but, you know, they also participated in helping us create some of these challenges. Jeff Pepper, who not only does logos, but he also created a map uh, that not only I'll post on GeoMouse, but if you wanted to post on uh, the show notes, you can do that as well, who created the map with all the mile marker names. Uh, so, you know, not only thank you to them, but also I wanted to say thank you to you uh, for allowing me to come on and do this because, like I said, it was a lot of fun to do. Hopefully the listeners enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, like I said, somebody from the make – hopefully we're close to actually being able to send three people to um, through Make-A-Wish to Disney World, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, we've raised um, close to, I think, $16,000 at this point and um, and that's that's close to getting enough money for the third person to um, to go so uh, your efforts and what you've inspired other people to do really has made uh, a difference in, like I said in a lot of people's lives but you know what you said in the clip that we were going to wait until next week to do the announcement of the grand prize but as long as we're in the marathon spirit and, and everything's just going so well what do you say we just do it this week instead yeah I'm totally fine with that so out of the 13 winners who won for uh, the different challenges that we've done over the course of the last six months, we said we were going to have a grand prize. Those 13 people are going to be thrown in together, and we're going to randomly pull a name. And the grand prize that we are going to give out will be the entire Pixar collection on DVD, including the newest release, Ratatouille, Pirates of the Caribbean trilogy on Blu-ray disc, a gigantic Mickey or a gigantic Mickey plush figure and also a sorcerer Mickey big fig. So that will be the grand prize. I'm going to go ahead and draw a name right now. Lumangelo, Lumangelo, Lumangelo. 
<laughs> and the winner of the grand prize for the 2008 WDW Radio Show Half Marathon Challenge Series is William Vangrel. So congratulations to William Vangrel, who will win that prize package. If you could go ahead and send Lou your information, we'll make sure that we get you that prize package as soon as possible. Awesome. Awesome. Congratulations, William. Yeah, William had mile marker number nine, and oddly enough, it was Len Testa's mile of Mangello. So uh, Len Testa was your good luck charm. <laughs> but, um, you know, I-, I hate to keep saying it, but Eric, really, thank you so much for what you've done for the show and for the listeners and for the donations that you've made um, and the efforts that, that, that you've helped motivate other people. And, and thanks for the friendship that you've been able to extend to me. Um, again, head on over to geomouse.com. Um, there's more information about the marathon there and, and there's some big things coming in the very near future for that website as well. Thanks to everybody also who emailed me and called the voicemail each week, especially this week and who entered the contests and who felt motivated to um, do things to support the show and the contest and me in all different ways. Uh, it means a great deal. Eric, again, buddy, thank you so much for everything that you did. Not a problem. Thank you, Lou, and thank you again to all the listeners. That's going to do it for this week's show. I want to thank you for tuning in again this week, and I hope you enjoyed it. Also, I want to say thanks to my guests, Mike Scopa, Brian Ripper, and Eric Hollister for all their help this week. And a big thanks once again to everybody who supported me and all the other runners in the marathon. And congratulations to everybody who participated. You're all winners the moment you crossed the starting line. Remember that if you want to be on the air, you can email me at lou at wdwradio.com or call the voicemail at 206-202-4WDW. You can also discuss the show and anything Disney over at the forums at disneyworldtrivia.com. But be sure and stop by our show notes page this week for links to some more information about the marathon, as well as some of my recommended sites and friends of the show, including Owner's Locker, Orlando Fun Tickets, and also go and check out Ricky Briganti's AttractionsMagazine.com. There you can subscribe to the new Orlando Attractions Magazine. Issue 2 is almost ready, but you can still get Issue 1 or subscribe at the website. Issue 1 was chock full of great information about Epcot's 25th, the Haunted Mansion, and so much more about Walt Disney World, as well as coverage of other parks and attractions in the Orlando area. Look for the next issue to cover Disney's Hollywood Studios, the Yak and Yeti, and so much more. Again, that website is attractionsmagazine.com. And also, did you just get back from Walt Disney World and mad that you forgot to pick up that one souvenir you had your eye on? Or maybe you're not going back for a while and you just have to have that new sweatshirt for the cold months ahead? Or did you just get back from a research trip and realize you forgot to get something for your wife, husband, or kids? Well, then visit the show notes page for a link to the Laughing Place store, where they carry a full line of Walt Disney World and Disneyland theme park merchandise, including clothes, souvenirs, books, DVDs, music from the parks, home goods, pins, you name it. They've got everything you need and great customer service, so visit the WDW Radio Show website for a link to the Laughing Place. I also want to remind you that the audio guide for Walt Disney World is still available at DisneyWorldTrivia.com as well as Volume 1 and Volume 2 of the Walt Disney World Trivia books. I look for the next in the series of the audio guides to be coming soon, and I should get the green light soon to announce the new project I've been working on that will be available on the site later on this year. Finally, if you like the show, 
please continue to review us in iTunes, and more importantly, please help spread the word and let others know about it. I want to thanks, say thanks to my guests once again, and thanks to you for tuning in again this week. Have a great week. See ya. Hi, Lou. It's Sue from Fairfax, Virginia, down in Disney World right now. It's the day before the half marathon, waiting for the boat to go back to the Beach Club Villas, but wanted to let you know something that you inspired us to do. We had priority seating for Fantasmic after eating at Mama Melrose, and uh, we decided, you know what, we probably need more rest, so we found a family and gave our priority tickets to them so that they could enjoy the show. Anyway, hope I run into you tomorrow. Hope I'm not swept, and I hope you're having a great time while you're down here. Thanks for all your hard work. Bye. This is Jeff Roney from JRDOnline.com, and I've got a great Disney tip. Okay, we all know that Disney's doing the Year of a Million Dreams. Well, here's a way that you can give two dreams to two people that you choose. So if you're going to Disneyland with your significant other, you can go get two Fast Passes, two, you know, the best ride in the park, whatever your favorite is. And then, uh, you know, throughout the day, you know, you keep checking the tickets into right about the time that that, uh, you need to get in line for that attraction. You find two people that, you know, maybe two kids that are sad or are two people that are vacationing that look a little stressed out and give them the fast passes. And we did that last time we were at uh, Animal Kingdom and it was just great. Uh, we got two people on uh, Everest, and uh, it was a lot of fun. So that's my Disney tip. Thanks. Hey, Lutus. is Doug from New Jersey. I just want to let you know your podcast really makes my day as a general contractor go by easy. I listen to you, and it makes the day go by smooth. I wanted to call you. We were talking about your resorts. Me and the wife's favorite resort is the Animal Kingdom Lodge, when we just want a nice, relaxing trip. We're going to you know, afford to stay there. Gico's, the restaurant, the cooking place is incredible. We've eaten there a, few, a couple times. And uh, also, our go-to resort is usually uh, Port Orleans R- Riverside. That's where we stayed the first time, one of the first times we went. And our favorite area to stay in, we get a lot of good deals from Deb's Page and all for uh, the Swan and Dolphin Resort, which is very beautiful because how can you be that location. We've been staying there quite a bit the last few times we went. But thanks, Lou. Your show's great. And uh, have a nice day. Bye-bye. Yeah, Lou, how you doing? This is Corey from uh, New Orleans. I was enjoying your uh, year-end review show, and you had you were talking about Disney not needing a land dedicated to something in, you know, competition with Orlando's uh, Harry Potter world. Uh, I think I think a good idea would be not necessarily the Beastly Kingdom that's been going around, you know, talks forever and ever, but possibly to bring in um, a Narnia land, and it fits straight into Animal Kingdom and would be very much like the infamous Beastly Kingdom. Uh, they're trying to grow the movie franchise. They're going to make all, you know, what, what six books in the movies. Um, be a great land. You can add, you know, four or five new rides and. Have have a ride dedicated to each one of the movies, maybe, and that way you can you know turn Animal Kingdom into a full day park like everybody talks about. Uh, just one of my ideas. Uh, anyway, I love the show. Uh, keep up the good work. Thanks. 